We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We open the show, as always, with some genre-related news. Image Comics announced earlier this week that its best-selling, multiple award-winning comic Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples will be returning early next year. Saga, issue number 55, will be available in comic shops on January 26th with a new story arc. The issue will be double-sized with 44 pages of story and Image promises, and I quote, more pulse-pounding adventure heart-wrenching character drama, and gloriously graphic sex and violence as Saga begins the second half of the series and the most epic chapter yet. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Will Poulter has been cast as Adam Warlock in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is scheduled to begin production later this year. Genre audiences may remember Poulter from Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the Warlock character made his first comics appearance in The Mighty Thor number 156 back in 1969. Director James Gunn teased Warlock's appearance in a mid-credits scene during Guardians Volume 2. Evidently, Gunn had originally wanted to have the character appear in that movie, but elected to wait until Volume 3. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 opens in theaters on May 5, 2023. Today is the 2021 DC Fandome. The event started at 1 p.m. and is scheduled to run four hours. The streaming event celebrates everything DC. Now, I don't want you to tune out from this show, but you can hear the final hour at dcfandome.com. And we'll, of course, be talking about everything to come out of Fandome in greater detail in the weeks ahead. DC Comics announced this week that issue number five of the Superman Son of Kal-El comic features a major event. John Kent is coming out as bisexual. Writer Tom Taylor said, I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes and I'm very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. The issue is illustrated by John Thames. Issue number five will be available in comic shops on November 9th. And this week, actor William Shatner made a suborbital flight aboard Blue Origin's New Shepard launch system. At the age of 90, he is the oldest person to travel into space. The flight lasted 10 minutes and 18 seconds. The vehicle climbed to an altitude of 65.8 miles before parachuting back to the surface. 
the crew experienced weightlessness as well as spectacular views. Shatner's presence made the flight a public relations success for the Blue Origin Rocket Company and its owner, billionaire Jeff Bezos. Of course, Shatner is best known as being the first to have portrayed Captain James T. Kirk on Gene Roddenberry's original Star Trek television series, and the actor was very emotional over the experience. Today, we're talking about some of those news items and more, but before I introduce today's panel, here is the official FF review of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. For fans of science fiction literature, Dune is something of a must-read. Written by noted author Frank Herbert, the story was originally published in 1965 in Analog Magazine as two separate serials. The work was recognized with Hugo and Nebula Awards for Best Novel. Dune is a sweeping story that serves as a masterful example of world building. Its complexity makes for a challenging adaptation to the screen. Director Denis Villeneuve does a magnificent job in organizing and combining the elements to construct an excellent representation of the work. Viewers familiar with the source material may be somewhat disheartened at the very beginning. The subtitle Part 1 accompanies the main title card, so you know from the start that you're not going to get the satisfaction of the full story. Although, based on some of the criticism directed at David Lynch for the previous feature-length adaptation of the book, breaking the epic tale into two parts wasn't unreasonable. Dune is the story of Paul Atreides, heir to Duke Leto of the House Atreides. House Atreides is one of the great houses of the Landsrat during the days of the Imperium, governed by the High Council and overseen by the Padishah Emperor. The Emperor gives House Atreides the highly prized fief of the planet Arrakis where the spice melange is found. Melange is the foundation of commerce and technological development in the known universe due to its critical role enabling space travel. Unknown to the Atreides, the Emperor is conspiring with a rival Landstrad house, the Harkonnen. Both the Emperor and Baron Vladimir Harkonnen are envious of the rising popularity of Duke Leto Atreides. They plot to destroy the Atreides in a treacherous ambush, but they didn't count on Paul's emergence as a messiah-like figure destined to rule the known universe. That's the shorthand of Dune. Curious parties should read the book. Herbert wrote several sequels, and there are additional books in the series written after Herbert's death by his son Brian and Kevin J. Anderson. Timothy Chalamet plays Paul. Chalamet is a very talented actor who delivers a fine performance. Even though it can be considered an ensemble picture, Dune is unquestionably Paul's story and Chalamet is the star. Villeneuve has surrounded him with other exceptional actors including Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Javier Bardem, Chen Chang, Dave Bautista, Charlotte Rampling, David Dasmalchian, and Zendaya. I especially enjoyed the performances of Ferguson and Isaac, but an outstanding ensemble cast such as this defies singling out any individual actor. 
One obvious reason for an updated movie is to take advantage of the advances in special effects since the 1984 version. The production design is also exceptional, and the producers have leveraged the locations in creating a sort of Middle Eastern feel to the Iraqi environment. That is accentuated by the background casting, and Hans Zimmer contributes a rich musical score. Villeneuve has made a closer adaptation of Herbert's novel than David Lynch. John Spites and Eric Roth co-wrote the screenplay with Villeneuve. Despite adherence to the original material, I noted the absence of Fade Rautha. However, as it was only part one, I assume the character will appear in the next movie. There will certainly be more screen time for others, based in part on the fact that some characters from part one have cycled out. The movie runs two hours and 35 minutes. This is an epic picture. I was comfortable with the pacing. It's rated PG-13 and is violent with some mature themes. There's nothing gratuitous about this movie, and whatever happens is in service to the story. This isn't a movie for children. A mature 12-year-old can see it, but I'd recommend that you get a sitter for kids any younger. This is a superb movie, and I expect it will be well-received by fans. I hope it does well enough to warrant there being a part two. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. All right, that is the official FF review of Denis Villeneuve's Dune, which opens domestically on October 22nd. So, now it's time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Roberto Ortiz, Emily Witten, Mike Lunsford, and Tom Zaller. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Glad Hello. To be here. Thanks. Yeah, you know. So, I thought that we would uh, start talking about the recent events this week, and particularly William Shatner <laughs> going into <laughs> outer space. <laughs> now, we had a very. Uh, em and Tom, you guys weren't a part of this other show a couple of weeks ago, but we had a very spirited discussion talking about billionaires yep. going into space mm -hmm. and uh, got a little contentious um, uh, Mike you remember that one Mike oh oh, oh, oh. Geez. Huh. Mike you remember that one <laughs> I yes I do there <laughs> <is>. <laughs> yeah well that's uh, you know hey when you don't have uh, somebody else engineering your show for you that's the kind of thing that can happen but uh, so here, here's the thing now of course Shatner didn't actually pay for this trip he was a passenger. Well, yeah. hey, really, everybody was passengers on this thing. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I thought it was kind of interesting uh, just in terms of what Shatner himself had to say about the experience. So um, let's, uh, let's take a listen to that, and uh, then we will talk a little bit more about uh, exactly what this thing was. Let's listen. It was so moving to me. This experience has been something unbelievable. You see, covering the blue, this is what I never expected. Oh, it's one thing to say, oh, the sky and the thing and the fragile thing. It's all true. But what isn't true, what, what is unknown until you do it, is there's this pillow, there's this soft blue. Look at the beauty of that color. And it's so thin. And you're through it in an instant, and you're into black, and you're into 
and, you know, it's rods, mysterious, and galaxies and things. But what you see is black. And what you see down there is light. And that's the difference. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. Okay, so now, um, Roberto, you you were laughing just now. <laughs> That's what you were listening. And I'm curious about that particular response. What What is it about how profoundly moved this man was that amuses you like this? It sounds like a body of mine just had some very strong molly. And basically, <laughs> <laughs> he's like dripping. <laughs> oh, <I'm both. laughs> That's how... <laughs> I am very moved for him, uh, but I'm reminded of Galaxy Quest when basically the actor who basically was standing for William Chatner was introduced to true aliens who were obsessed with Star Trek. And um, what was the uh, the other character, Dr. Lazarus said, oh my God, it's like throwing like throwing kerosene to a fire. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> Chatner, who's known to be one of the biggest egos on the planet, <laughs> good God. <laughs> It's gonna be amazing what this does to him. This is gonna be like evolving his ego to a brand new level of consciousness. It might actually start separating itself from Chatner. I think ego. I disagree with that, but go on. No, no, go on. Well, wait, wait a minute before we before we get into. I, I want to give Mike the you know since he's since he's remote. I want to give him the opportunity <laughs> to say something about this, Mike. It just I. I can't help as a Star Trek nerd imagine that as Roberto was describing that that scene at the end of Star Trek the motion picture yeah. when Ilea and Decker and V'ger all <laughs> converge into a new life form like that's what's going to happen to Shatner his <laughs> ego is just going to evolve <laughs> to a higher consciousness um good for him I'm glad he enjoyed it I'm glad that he was moved I'm you know good for him it's just really really hard to be like really ecstatic about anything William Shatner does after the way he has treated people the last, like, I don't know, 50 years of his <laughs> career. It's, again, good for him. Congratulations. I'm glad you had a good time, man. But it's, again, it's really hard to feel feel good for this guy after all of the things that he's said and done to people. Hmm. Did you see what Walter Takei said wow. about this? Good well, God. Okay, you mean George Takei. George Takei. And you're doing a mashup. Walter yeah. Koenig, George yeah, Takei. Yeah, Walter Takei. George well, Takei was not like happy for him. <laughs> no. Oh, no. no. Well, George isn't happy for anything that happens to Shatner these days. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to come back to you in just a second because as you're somebody who, as a Star Trek fan, I have a great deal of respect for. and I Because I, your, 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 your credentials are totally legit when it comes to Star Trek. But first, we need to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Emily Witten and Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz and Tom Zaller. And Tom was getting ready to tell us what he thought <laughs> oh, about I, this. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I watched it live. We watched it live. Um, mm -hmm. I just was so happy and excited for it. Shatner is a complicated person. He's been around for 90 years, and that in that time you get to be lots of different people. Um, and there's a part where I think that the legend of Shatner is just as important as Shatner himself. Kind of in the same way that somebody who smokes knows to tell you not to smoke. Like, just because Shatner isn't what he pretends to be all the time doesn't mean that you can't learn from it or take from it. And kind of the same way, like, I know that he had problems on the show. 
I know that he's had problems with the actors, but a guy who was on a TV show that helped inspire people to go to NASA and do things gets to go into space. He gets to show that a 90-year-old person can go to space. He gets to show how interesting the privatization of space is. I, I, for, I forget what stat I was reading about how how much the cost to bring a pound of anything into orbit is and how like we all use cell phones and GPS and you know NASA doesn't have a program to bring astronauts to the space station we've been using Russian ones I think it's great to do this and to like I think as a lot of people kind of in a nexus of not using each other but benefiting off each other Shatner going into space is going to get lots of eyes to watch it but I think it's something worth watching and if in that in that bubble of stuff that the guy who played Captain Kirk gets to go into space and like he said before that because uh, he was at New York Comic Con and he said that he had like this uh, this sliver of terror about what was going on I, I can't <laughs> not do Shatner um, he is so ingrained in, in, in me but like think about it at 90 you're going on a rocket and like some of them have, have failed and like you gotta be going well if I gotta go out like <laughs> Captain Kirk died on a rocket ship that's pretty awesome like and it's just I, I think I think Kirk can give great speeches I think William Shatner has been known to give good speeches but at that moment he was he was not exactly firing on all thrusters mm. Mm. Just, wait, wait. Just I, no, I know. I Emily, I know. <laughs> let me just let me just throw this in here because uh, I, I, in fact, that's part of the reason that I was like, let let's. I, I'm going to get everybody because I know, I know. And you and I were talking about this actually yesterday because uh, the the clip that I pulled was literally from when Shatner and his the other crew members had stepped out of that capsule. And uh, you had some very interesting observations about what was going on. Of course, Shatner was standing there talking to Jeff Bezos, mm. and you know he is ninety. I mean, frankly, it sounded as if he had gotten a little beat up by virtue of his experience. I mean, you're pulling all those G's in, in through the launch, and then even though it's a relatively soft landing, I mean, he and you know the 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 profound nature of what he experienced looking out that window and you know he went on ad nauseum i mean i i did because he said it like six or eight times mm -hmm. i just clipped it once but that whole you know there's blue and then all of a sudden there's black you know and and mm -hmm. so I, I i absolutely responded to that but so I, I have so many thoughts i'm more than i thought i would but i'll, I'll try to condense it down two things um because i sort of disagree with what everybody's been saying and sort of agree with pieces of it one thing that uh tom was saying about like why shatner and all of that um, several years ago, I went to the Nebula Awards, and Mike Fink, a NASA astronaut, was a speaker there. And he, in his keynote speech, he said that he loved science fiction writers and creators because, you know, we dreamed up the things that then people went out and did. And so I think there's a really cool thing about a sci-fi actor, you know, getting to have this experience because it kind of is a full circle thing. And as a person who knows of Shatner, does not worship or hate him, either one, thinks he is a complex person, uh, but an interesting person. You know, I don't resent that he got to go. I'm not, like, I could have named him and some other people who, like, Patrick Stewart would also have been cool. Oh, yeah. But, like, but, like I'm, not, I'm not sad that they picked William Shatner to go into space. It makes a lot of sense. And the fact that um, he came out of it, I found his response delightful. 
because whatever, however he treated people in the past, I'm not divorcing it from him that and saying, you know, you have to accept everything about this man, but he came out of it with a reverence that, and I watched this live with Tom and Yuli, this is something that you and I were talking about. Um, the clip, if you actually watch it live, is kind of hilarious because the flip side of the argument about, oh, these rich people going to space is very much present in the background of what we heard. So we've got Shatner going on about the blue and the black and the amazingness of space in a way that made me immediately think of all the things Ray Bradbury wrote many years before we had such capabilities to, you know, send regular citizens into space. So I thought that was delightful. He was describing something that authors I love have written about using their imaginations. And then uh, in the background of that, you've got, first of all, Bezos at one point, like stopped listening to Shatner Thank you to for turn around. That. Oh, yes. it was amazing. You watch yes. the clip. Oh, he God. stops listening to Shatner, who is saying something profound and reverent and is moved by it. And bless his heart, like whatever else you think of him, he had this experience. He experienced it as a person who was, I think in that moment, humble. So that's why I kind of <laughs> disagree with what Roberto was saying, because he was humbled by the experience. And then Jeff Bezos is kind of half listening to him and other people are popping champagne in the background. He <laughs> turns you. around and he goes, oh, I want some of that, and grabs one of the champagne bottles and is spraying it all over and offers it to Shatner, who Tom has informed me doesn't drink, and Shatner's mm. like, no, I'm fine. And like, then eventually turns his full attention back to Shatner and we get probably part of the clip that, that you know, you were playing. But it's this amazing, like, you know, cameo of the guy who has had this experience and is reverent about it, despite being a large ego who's famous and who people come to see. And then the other guy who's done it, you know, and, and is like, okay, well, let's, let's do the, what do we think we should do in this moment? We should spray champagne around. And it's like, I think I'd be on the Shatner end of things, not on the Bezos end of things. If I went into space, I don't even know if I'd have anything to say when I first got out of the spaceship. And then eventually I'd probably be like, it was amazing, it was beautiful, it was, you know, look at this profound thing, which is basically what Shatner was saying. So I think it's unfortunate in a way that yeah. sometimes uh, rich people who don't really seem to appreciate what they're doing have had this experience. <laughs> but I also think we wouldn't have this experience without this the sponsoring of these wealthy people. So I think it's really a paradox. And yeah. I enjoyed mm -hmm. that Shatner got the experience yeah. and what he said. One thing yeah. I saw. Well, wait, wait, but before you say that, um, I just want to tack on to something that you were saying, Emily, because as well, as I was listening to this particular clip, uh, and the part that didn't make the cut, but Shatner had been, and this to me just goes to the level of sort of relative lack of engagement on Bezos's part but yeah. uh, it, it, but it, no Shatner was talking about how quickly they pass through the levels of atmosphere into mm -hmm. space and he started asking an extremely technical question of Bezos who clearly did not know <laughs> scientific kind of question well, how long does it take to get and Mike Shatner isn't as good as yeah. yours Tom but how long does it take to get through the ionosphere you know real quick you know like, real quick I don't know it's like uh, 2,000 miles or something and uh, this is yeah it's really quick you know? yeah I thought okay yeah you're just the rich guy who's excuse me I shouldn't say just 
you're yeah. the rich guy who's oh, paying for yes, all of yes, this. Because that that's not a joke. I mean, I think yeah. it's all very complicated, but also if you did watch the video at the point we heard in the clip where Shatner is moved, he's legit like touching under his yeah. eyes because he had some tears oh, going he on was, there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just think that's delightful. He experienced it in a way that I appreciate. The mm-hmm. state. Yeah, right. Oh, wait, wait. wait. State, oh, no, wait, wait, no. That, that, sorry. <laughs> I messed that up. I was going to say, Tom, one second, get to Roberto and then you. All right, Roberto? I agree with what Emily said. Everything you said is absolutely right. I, I actually did needed to make fun of Shatner because <laughs> his, his ego can he take it. He needed to make fun of Shatner. But um, I actually tried to watch the Blue Origin feed live. And I did, but I had to turn down the volume because, as I said to my wife, it feels like I'm watching North Korean television because <laughs> these people are insane. I, I've watched a lot of lunches from NASA. I have never seen anything like this. In terms of what they were saying, I'm just like, this is nonsense, this is nonsense, this is nonsense, shut up, shut up, shut up, okay, volume. And then when they go down, and I said, okay, I'm going to see if China's going to say something deep. And then Jeff Bezos just interrupts him and starts yep. acting like this guy who's like an escapee from a movie from the 80s that, you know, the, the <laughs> cool rich guy basically with champagne being a jerk. Yeah. And he's like, what the heck? i never seen it in my life. An astronaut or anyone involved in space travel behaving that way. It, that's why it's good to actually watch this clip, because when we watched it live, I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Because Shatner came out, and he was really legitimately talking about the experience, and then, as as we as I already said, Bezos turns away, then he comes back yes. with the champagne. Everybody's spraying it. People are kind of running around in the background like, woo! And it's just so weird! I it was so weird! Oh, yeah, wait, wait, uh, no. wait yeah, Tom? The stagecraft was off. Like, it didn't look like they had figured out what to do, because when Shatner gets off the the ship, you know everybody, that's why everybody's watching. Like, I did not watch the first Blue Origin, I watched this one, because I wanted to know what was going on. And if they had, you would have thought that they would have rehearsed or planned for what they were going to do, because having the moment of celebration and popping the champagne corks, but there's... There's a bit where Shatner, like, I felt bad for Shatner Thank when he you. got up. Yes, for yes. Two reasons. One, because he's standing off to the side and he's just waiting, but the cameras are on him. Mm-hmm. Like, other stuff is going on, but, like, he doesn't know what to do. And his, I think it's his wife. His wife doesn't come out to hug him at first. And, like, other people's family, probably because nobody was waiting for them to talk about what had happened. But, like, everybody else is getting hugged and congratulated, and Shatner's just standing off there by himself. Yeah, it looked odd. It it did look like everyone else immediately was celebrating, and he was like, well, I know someone's going to want to talk to me, so I'm ready. Here Mm -hmm. I am. And it, it seemed... It felt disrespectful to the experience. I don't want to say it might have been disrespectful to Shatner, but whether it was or not, it felt disrespectful to the experience to have the stagecraft, as Tom was saying, be off and to have it. Look, I'm just going to say it. It felt trashy. The people who weren't Shatner seemed to be behaving in a trashy manner that was not respectful of the fact that they had gone into space, something that only a few people still handful Mm. of people comparatively have done. Which does go back to the whole, like, you know, arguments people are having about the wealthy wealthy folks going to space. But I'm sure, that, you know, Shatner's wealthy. He's not Bezos wealthy, but he's wealthy. He still had an experience that I can look at and be like, that seems right. Well, he's an artist. Yeah. Yes, so that's it, true. That's, it, that's the thing that we keep forgetting. He's an artist. Mm, say yes. what you say about Chat, the chat. <laughs> <laughs> he's an artist. And an artist, by definition, is somebody who basically is supposed to be able to see things a little bit further a different way and that's why he could absorb experience as an artist 
Yeah. Spoken it, like an artist. And I, I, and I don't that. know. I don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, well, I, yeah. And, and Mike, I, I, I want to give you a word in here. I just want to add something to. Uh, and uh, Tom, stagecraft, brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's really what all this was about in yeah. terms of having William Shatner being there. <laughs> and it was a public relations bonanza. Oh, yes, it for was. Blue, for Blue Origin. Yeah. You know? yeah. This, and, was billion, but, this was a billion dollar commercial. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But, but here's the thing. You get back, and it's over. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, now, yeah, we would like to talk to you, but, hey, the fact that you went in and we got all this coverage, and, I mean, I haven't watched one of these launches before then. I mean, I was actually on my way back from taking a COVID test, and I'm driving <laughs> down 95, and I'm like, oh, wait, it's almost time. Let me, and I tuned in on my phone, and I'm like, that's yeah. Why, that's <laughs> why I told you, watch the actual clip later, because you get a better sense of what mm-hmm. the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. It, but, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, Mike? The, the biggest thing with me is there's there's a quote, and of course I wouldn't be uh, a nerd if I didn't quote something nerdy, and I'm going to quote <laughs> The Incredibles. So at one point, the supervillain syndrome says to Mr. Incredible, he goes, he's basically talking about how he's going to turn his technology and turn everyone into superheroes. And he said, and when everyone's super, no one will be. That's what mm-hmm. Bezos is doing right now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pass the astronaut rigorous exam. I don't have to be in physical condition. I don't have to follow the rules. All I have to do is be rich. So therefore, I can do whatever I want. He gives Shatner this option, this opportunity, an incredible opportunity. And again, too, happy for him. Glad he got to do it. Glad it was life-changing for him. But like, what it's doing is it's, it just it reeks of disrespectful to all the people who busted their butts for decades to do this. Yes. Is there now more accessibility to people who couldn't do it before? Yes, and that's, there's a part of that that's good. But for Shatner, this was life-changing. For Bezos, this was leverage. Yes. Like it this was not this was not something that was important to him other than I've increased my market share. It did well, at least appear that way. I can, I don't know yeah, Bezos yeah. either. I can't judge him 100%, but it did appear to be not something that had yeah. the same impact. Well, exactly like you said Emily too. You watch the watch the footage and I'm not going off of like I can read Bezos's mind. Like I'm going off of what I saw in that video, <laughs> yep, man. Yep. Like Shatner's moved, and Bezos could not care less. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's pop some champagne. He's Woo! distracted. Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like distracted by everything that's going on and not paying attention to did, the, what just happened. Did yeah. you saw the face of God? But here's some champagne. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, like, let's like party. <laughs> this was not. This was not a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. And Bezos said all of that great stuff during his first launch, but this has zero to do with I've always wanted to do this and this is something that I feel can change humanity. No, no. this is to make money. Yep. He's doing this because he wants to show off that I can now move freight. I can now move things into space and you should give me the fat contract. That has, It has very little to do. This, like, like Tom said, stagecraft, this is all theatrics. This is all just to make us like Amazon a little bit more, like Jeff Bezos a little bit more, like want to give them more money. Hey, they sent Captain Kirk into space, man. We should be excited about that. And to a certain degree, I am because there's still this little kid at heart inside me that saw oh. Captain Kirk go into space. And I was like, that's dope. But the other side of this is just like this cynical adult side of me that's just like, this dude just wants more, like, license to print money. And that's kind of what this felt like. It's mm-hmm. like launching your car into space. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't be as cynical. As, I, I just can't because when I watch that solid rocket booster land itself, which nothing at NASA has ever done before, like I know Jeff Bezos is the money guy, but he got the right people on to do that. Yeah, like he's I, made it work. I'm impressed yeah. at how far he's taken the technology. But yeah, I can't disagree with that part. But one of the things that well, well, hold, hold, hold on just a second, <laughs> because and I hey I am as sensitive to anybody about the creation of a new elite behind all of this. And there's a comment that Shatner made that I would like to share when we come back. But. That musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, which means we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and you, our listeners, for the ongoing operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM and that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today. Obviously, we have a lot more to say about all of this, and we're going to say a lot more, so don't touch that dial because Emily and Tom and Mike and Roberto and I will be right back right after this. Don't go away. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA, 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz and Tom Zaller and Emily Witten. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about this... Uh, well, a public relations bonanza for Blue Origin and uh, Jeff Bezos, which was William Shatner going into outer space. Now, uh, one of the things that Shatner had said, and he kind of came to his senses as this was coming out of his mouth, <laughs> but he was going on, he was so uh, grateful to Bezos for having uh, gotten him into space, and he was saying, oh, what you've given me, and he's like, Everybody should do this. Everybody should have the chance to go into space. And then he's like, uh, maybe you could uh, put it on 3D or something. Oh. You know, because I think he realized pretty quick, oh, wait a minute. Yes, it's uh, somewhat cost prohibitive mm -hmm. for everyone mm -hmm. to go. But maybe this is the first step towards eventually, someday, it being a broader... Like, I get what Mike's saying about, oh, now some rich people can go into space and everything in a new elite... But it's possible that we eventually will have the opportunity for more than just rich people because cars weren't owned by everyone when they first came out. And obviously not everyone owns a car now, but a lot more people do. And it's not necess a necessity to go into space right now. Maybe someday it will be. Maybe it will be a part of our life in a different way. Who knows? That's what science fiction going into science is all about. Mm. But there's a yes, but one of the things that concerns me is that Outer space is super duper dangerous. True. Well, it yeah. is now. <laughs> no, no, but that's the thing. I don't think these rich people get it yet. That the astronauts get it, the dachyonauts get it, uh, the cosmonauts get it. How incredibly dangerous it is that if anything goes wrong, absolutely anything, it will kill you. 
And depending how long you're out there, it actually can change your physiology. Oh, oh, it starts changing your physiology immediately. I mean, your bones begin losing density. Exactly. We, We weren't... We weren't made to live in a weightless environment. Yeah, you know, right. We need so a lot more would gravity. need to be done mm-hmm. for anything beyond the kind of thing that we do now. And even those who go mm-hmm. into space have effects from it. So mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and as oh, I, I'd like to say something just a sec. I, I want to get this in because I don't think that there is a full appreciation of uh, how dangerous this endeavor actually is. Yes. I mean, to the point where. Literally everything you need, even the air you breathe, you have to take with you. <laughs> you know, it's like there's none of that out there, and it, it's it, the fact that nobody has died from one of these things yet. yet. I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and somebody will, and oh, yeah. I'm going to be very curious as to see what happens. I'm sure that Bezos must have people signing waivers mm-hmm. <laughs> before they go. You know, <laughs> of course. But, yeah, but Tom, what were you going to say? Oh, um, I. W- I was just going to say that I I think that yeah Bezos may not get it but isn't that part of it that you look past the mm-hmm. dangers yeah I choose the danger um <laughs> you look past <laughs> That's this what this starship's top, right? all about. That's why we're aboard her. Uh, the greatest speech ever, and I choose the danger is actually McCoy in Star Trek Three. Yes. I'm a bad fan. Um, <laughs> but you want somebody who is willing to look at, like, I don't know how it works, but I know that Elon Musk's idea is that we can move our energy produ- production to the moon. And I, I don't know how that, I don't know how the the physics of that and being able to broadcast power would work. That's yeah. Why okay, but you need someone who looks past the danger of wow, it's really, really dangerous to get out there and do that. And someone who goes, well, it might be worth it. Like maybe we could do it. No, but those people I respect. It's just that I don't know. Kim Kardashian basically on a weekend trip to the moon <laughs> will appreciate it specifically the danger. It's like, I'm reminded of something I saw recently that... They're Maybe gonna... it will be a life-changing experience for oh, her. Please. We don't know. I was thinking if she might be Anything the one who dies. Anything is possible. Well, that's also lose possible. lose their minds. Oh, oh my no. God, Kim Kardashian was killed in a rocket explosion. And, and, I'm sorry, God. Yeah. I just had a horrible thought, so I'm going to keep it to myself. Hey, okay. I, I had it first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, one thing that I'm reminding them is that they're going to start selling pretty soon submarines to the rich, the ultra-rich. They're actually building high-end submarines okay. for the rich. And if I was a submariner, I would be like, what? Because the rich now are going to start behaving irresponsibly underwater in an environment that is super hostile that can kill you very easily. And it feels it reeks of responsibility of this class. Yeah, I, but I, I, I'm still looking at it the same way that I look at plane travel. I mean, first of all, when we f- first started having it, there was kind of like, well, where do you want to go? Like, what do you need to do that's so important? Why, like the famous story about mm. the guy who created FedEx when his business teacher said, nobody will ever need to ship something that fast. Nobody will pay for that. That's a dumb idea. Huh. You know, you're building, you're having the risk takers and the wing walkers and the crazy people who are people coming to see so that you can finance and build the technology to start doing the more interesting things and eventually get to the point that, depending on where you are, you can take a cheap 50 flight, $50 flight that you couldn't do before. And I, I do want to put in a plug for the fact that rich people, as any other group of people, are not a monolith because look at what Terry oh, Pratchett are, did with... No, well, no, that's not true. That's <laughs> true. Look at, look at what Terry Pratchett did 
he got knighted by the Queen of England, and you know what he did with some of his money, which was really cool, is he took meteorite and made a sword out of it because now he could have a sword because he was a knight. And you know what? That's a delightful thing to do with some of your money. Cool. And you, he also did many other knighthoods? good things that were not for himself with his money. You get money but from knighthoods? What? You get money from knighthoods? No, he was already wealthy because he wrote a bunch of really famous books, Yuli. Oh, well, yeah, no, <laughs> it's it, it just the way he, you made yeah, it sound. Made it sound. No, like, yeah. I, when he got, yeah. when he got knighted by the Queen of England, he said, now I can have a coat of arms and a sword. And so he took meteorite and melted it down and made a sword out of this meteorite. And that was really cool. cool. And he also did a lot of good things for other people. But I'm saying, like, rich people aren't just, like, a monolith of rich people because he grew up not rich. And then became so because he created a lot of amazing stuff. And I don't resent people who create a lot of amazing stuff and get value for it because as artists, we should not be devaluing our work. And as people, we should not be devaluing our work. And so if somebody is working really hard and they get a lot of money for it and suddenly they're rich or over time they're rich, that's fine. If you are a bad person who treats other people badly to get rich, that's different. But we are talking about, some people in this room are talking about it like every person who has money is automatically evil. No, That's no, not no. true either. Not everybody, no. but I'm not talking about Bezos in particular, but I don't <laughs> want it to sound like, oh, if rich people get to do it, suddenly it's just a bad thing. I have friends who are wealthy and they are not bad people. And I have friends who are not, again, not bad people. It's about who you are inside, not have how much money you have. I love the black masses they do on Saturday night. <laughs> what? I, 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 do, I think that's I do, a different wait, radio wait, wait, show. I, I do want to <laughs> make a distinction. And, and Mike, I'll come back to you in just a second. I do sure. want to make a distinction, though, because, Emily, I agree with everything that you said. but. I also think it's important to recognize, and I don't know how much money Terry Pratchett had, um, and certainly he was rich. But I mean, there's rich, there and then are there's tears. I mean, yeah, yes. I, oh, oh, yeah, and, and that, and that's my I point. I mean, you know, you're talking that. about like Jeff Bezos or. Um, you know, uh, uh, crap, uh, the Microsoft guy. I can't think of his Bill name. Gates. Yeah, Bill, Bill Gates. Gates. Exactly. Thank you. I mean, and there are and there are more people like that every day. I mean, these billionaires and you know and then because hey you can have but like are millions they bad people that's not necessarily true some of them may be people who aren't of high character or don't treat other people well and some of them may treat other people well and look for ways to use the largesse they've got to do good things so i don't i just don't want to put it all into this like oh if if it's something rich people can do it's like a bad thing well don't they well, i agree well, with well, what I tom was say saying well, too the the only other thing that I want to throw in here, and we're going to go to Mike after, we, after I say this. The only other thing that I want to throw in is no, having having that. Well, excuse me. I'm assuming since I don't have that kind of money and I can't speak definitively. Um, you know, it, that doesn't make you a bad person. But what I have begun to be concerned with lately is this income inequity yeah. and the 100%. gulf between people who have that kind of money and people who don't is only getting wider and when i hear about stuff like oh they're going to start building submarines yep. for the wealthy you know it, it we this is not sustainable people yeah. this this system we have is not sustainable you can't have people sailing around underwater in their own submarines and then have children going hungry in the wealthiest it, the capital city of the wealthiest nation on earth. You know, you can't have cops 
beating somebody up because of the color of their skin, you know, or women getting paid 40 cents on the dollar behind what men get paid and have people paying to go into outer space. This is just flat out not sustainable. And anyway. I actually agree with that too, Yuli. I'm not saying that I don't. I definitely think there are inequities, huge inequities. I think there are problems with how wealth is distributed in this country. Of course, that's obvious. I just wanted to say, like, I don't know that we can pin this on, like, oh, is it only this? these people can do it right now, so then it's a bad thing. Because as Tom was saying, it may then, you know, become something else. And I definitely think that our society over time has continued to do different and new things because someone had the idea, someone pushed beyond yeah. the danger, someone did that. I don't think that that excuses the huge wealth and privilege inequities in our country. Absolutely mm. not. And okay. space tourism is not a bad thing. I just wanted to make clear that mm. I support space tourism. It's just that I have a problem with people like Bezos. Yeah. It's, it's and whatever the suffering sounds really, really <laughs> just wasteful. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, if Mike, yeah. and then Go. we're going to come back to you. Okay. No, and remember what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll it up My, Yeah, Mike? So I, I think that, I mean, all of these, God, so much to unpack with all of this, with all, with all <laughs> the things you all have said, that like, it's not a matter, at least in my, from my view here, it's not a matter of all the rich are bad. Uh, a great example right now is on the internet in the nerd community, boy do people hate Tony Stark because he's rich and white. Boy do people hate Bruce <laughs> Wayne because he's rich and white because that's what we've seen on television. That's what we've seen in real life is oftentimes those are your villains because they often don't have any moral fortitude. They don't have any sort of empathy or sympathy for anybody that's struggling because as far as they see it, I, I earned this, I worked for this, I deserve this, those sorts of sentiments. And like, I'm, I completely agree with you, Emily, no person is a monolith for their entire quote unquote group. It's just a, it's a troubling trend that it sets, especially yeah. with what we've seen in the past and especially in this country where we think that we've moved past problems that we had as we grew, early 1900s, when there were just massive problems with labor and all of these millionaires and billionaires basically like treating all of their employees like absolute garbage. And it seems like we haven't really moved much past that. We have in certain aspects, but then you turn around and you look and it's right back to where it was before. Change doesn't happen overnight. Hopefully it will. Hopefully we'll see things continue to get better. We're already seeing evidence of this. But the other point I wanted to make is, is when Bezos does use his money to make a gigantic mech suit, the only sword that we'll be able to cut through it is Terry Pratchett's meteor sword. <laughs> You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Emily Witten and Tom Zaller and Roberto Ortiz and Mike Lunsford. And Tom, I promised that we were coming oh. back to you. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's whatever slice of the person's life that you're taking. Because you, I'm sure you can find horrible things that Bill Gates has done. Um, uh, really? I'm sure, no. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you look at, but you also look at what he did with the money in starting the Gates Foundation, which seems to be a net good. Like, it's crazy. If you judge Jeff Bezos by launching a car into orbit, that looks pretty bad. If you judge him by the fact that he made an electric car that people actually wanted to buy, that's or a Tesla. good thing. Tesla, sorry. Elon Musk. Um, yeah, Elon Musk. Um, 
No, it's so, basically yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole continuum. Like a, like a human, like a penis. Basically. Yeah. So. That part was hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, does anybody not see this? Everybody has to be seeing this, right? This oh, is on yeah. purpose, is it? I don't know. It must be. We talked about that on another show. Now, the one thing that I want to throw in is... We can't get yeah, over it. it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with people having money, making money. and But I, I'm also sensitive to what Mike was saying about... The robber barons, and you know, this is the whole reason that we have organized labor now is because uh, organized labor in the pursuit of greater profits was willing to sacrifice their workers. And uh, I, apparently, there was a lack of comprehension even then about the, uh, the unsustainable nature of a system like that. Oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so um, clearly. This is, um, well, in fact, maybe, maybe, well, shoot, we've got a couple of minutes left. What I had wanted to do, I had wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about that um, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five. But I don't know that it's even worth it now. I mean, we've only got a couple of minutes <laughs> left. And the chances are we start talking about that, oh, yeah. and then it's like, oh, man, you know, now we're kind of out of time. So, and I mean, Yuli, yeah. I'm happy to switch gears, but I'm still thinking about that rocket ship just thrusting, <laughs> thrusting into space, you know? Just <laughs> thrusting into the atmosphere. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> whoa! No, but seriously, we can talk one. about whatever you want to. I couldn't hold it in. I'm sorry. No, that was that was a good one. I, I straight up want to say one more thing about Shatner. Then, Please. I want to, I want to bring it back because it's one of the things. There are things I take from Shatner, the person and the legend that have affected my life in lots of ways. Well, wait, and one from the, the person or from the character? Look, point, look from, point. That's why I said the legend. Oh, like okay. the person mm-hmm. and the person we think he, the person he appears to be. Mm-hmm. But I love that Shatner has this sense of fearlessness that yes. you ask him to host a, a talk show and he's like I've never done it before sure you ask him to do an album after doing Rocket Man and Mr. Tambourine <laughs> Rocket Man and Mr. Tambourine Man mm-hmm. and then he goes and he does Get a Life which is this great album and yes I it love is that it is a great album yes yeah he's got this fearlessness about stuff where if it sounds like it's fun and worth doing he's just like yeah sure I'll try it and the same way, you want to get on a rocket, 90-year-old guy, and pull, like, six Gs as you're heading into orbit? Does that sound like a thing? Sure. The one thing he can't do now is he can't get off the rocket and then sing about how he wants to be like common people. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I would have even taken that trip. Uh, I remember... Really? Oh, definitely. Well, well, look. I mean, and you... It's a good way to go I, if you have to go. Ah. Is there is there a good way to go? I mean, I, I know that this this would be a good exactly. death, you know. Yeah, what he had to do, what he always does, turning <laughs> death into a fighting chance to live. Tom, I got you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But anything else thing. would have been a waste of material. Yeah. The morning that Challenger launched, and I remember thinking about this after the explosion. Mm. If somebody had come to me and said, "Yuli, how would you like to fly on Challenger?" I'd have been like, "Yeah, cool." I'm there! You know, because the space shuttle program, we'd been doing it. It seemed very safe. I was like, no, no problem. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was reminded of the inherent danger in this particular endeavor. And And you got to see it again on Columbia. Yes, yeah. I but I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it. At that I mean, you know, because Krista McAuliffe and she was going to yeah. do the oh, lesson yeah. from outer space. It, and it was another PR flight into space. Yep. You know, and, and so, but after that, 
I had to stop and kind of reconsider. <laughs> I'm like, you and, know and what? And that's what terrifies me. That mm-hmm. do these people understand that when this happens, and it will, the social media world, these people who don't understand that, all that's us that get it, how they're going to react to this? Seriously? Because it's going to be bad. Well, and I mean, like, if someone said, hey, you have the opportunity to go on the next flight like this, I would do my research. I would see how sound their research was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but then if, if it was like, but you can go for free, I'd be like, whoop, let's go. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can get hit by a bus crossing flight. the street and you could, like, you know, die in a fire and you could have a heart attack. And there's a million ways you can die. But I, you know, anytime I get anxious about like, oh, maybe this is dangerous... If it's been, if people have tried to make it safe in a way that I have some respect for, you know, like I think, okay, it's generally safe, then to not take the opportunity is to not live your best life. Mm-hmm. As uh, Lieutenant Boma said in the Galileo 7, I appreciate your ability to make so measured a choice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Me personally, Deep I can cut. I can see the bus coming as <laughs> I'm stepping off the curb. I mean, something like that. I mean, you are, and you're on top of a hydrogen-filled rocket, and they are igniting this thing. You are literally riding a rocket It sounds really cool, man. It sounds really dangerous. (laughs) My my father, right after the Challenger disaster, asked me, if they give you a chance, would you go on the next one? And I'm like, I don't know. What about you? And my dad said, yeah, absolutely. You got to do it. That'll be the safest space space flight ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, Mike. So much oversight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and as we found out afterwards, there was no reason that Challenger should have had to blow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was yeah. those damn O-rings, and the thing had been sitting on... Wait, was that Challenger or Columbia? It was Challenger. Okay, Challenger, yeah. 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 And those damn O-rings, yeah, and, and but they were yeah, anxious to do it, and it was like, you know what? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do and it. You know? That's the and key, is you have to be measured about the safety first, then you then you make the decision to do it. And <laughs> it was also Roberto. Thing. I don't think that the guy who cut off Captain Kirk to do a champagne shower is really worried about how he comes across on social media. Nope. Fair. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. He truly <laughs> doesn't care. He's just, Everybody he's like, watch that clip. It's just ridiculous. Yes. He's probably goes to, he has an Amazon warehouse filled with money, and he's just like Uncle Scrooge McDuck, and you start screaming at <laughs> it. Oh, we were talking about that, too. Yeah. Oh, I saw a really funny meme, though, this week. It was uh, Shatner working in an Amazon warehouse. They were saying he's got to work there for, like, the next six years. There you go. There you go, Mike. I saw the one in exactly right. the card that said, suck it, Picard. Well, he's at work. Yeah. While he was in that particular shaped rocket ship. Oh, dear. Oh. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm leaving now. As I can't. It, That's as ridiculous. As it was thrusting. Into space. <laughs> Everybody's just as bad. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you seen Flesh Gordon? Oh uh, yeah. I heard about okay, it. Yeah. No, well, the, no, the damn rocket. Did you say flesh or yes, flesh? Yes, I did. I said okay. flesh. Oh, then no, yes, flesh burden. Yeah, sorry. No, I have not. Oh, because uh, I probably don't want existence. <laughs> <laughs> because the rocket looked exactly <laughs> like the rocket <laughs> from Flesh Gordon. That's amazing. Exactly. Good job, Bezos. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a heck of a thing. Hey, Mike, you got anything you're trying to get in here before we get out? No, I've said <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to save Kal-El for next time, or yeah. set up Kal-El. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we really are. Well, that and, you know, of course, 
uh, well, uh, and now it's almost over, but DC Fandom, and there's all kinds That's of right. stuff yeah. coming out of there. Oh, so, so much it, good stuff. It, they, they, instead of truth, justice, and the American way, it's truth, justice, and a brighter future. There you go. Like, that's awesome. Nice. So oh, but they're going to be, you know, there are people who are mad about that already. Yeah. What are they talking about? You know. And I mean, hey, hey to quote, they. To quote the internet, they can die mad. I mean, also, they have a real cute shirt that says Harleen the Queen, and I'm all about that, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. So, I'd like to thank our panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Visit the website at fantasticforum.tv or check the listings in your area to find out when and where you can watch. Of course, the show is also available as a podcast thanks to our friends at The Great Geek Refuge. You can find it on all the platforms where you find your favorite podcasts, and we hope that we are one of those. And, of course, if you miss any portion of the show, it re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA from 3 to 4 p.m. And, of course... We want you to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe and be happy.